On today's episode, we have investor Phil Rosvani. Phil has 22 projects at this very moment that he's flipping in different stages. He's remodeling three projects in Beverly Hills, one of them for sale for over $17 million. Phil started in downtown LA with a $200,000 duplex just seven years ago, and he's now a multimillionaire and still expanding his empire. What I love about Phil is that he's young, hungry, humble, and truly believes in the power of education. Real estate investing for you. This is Pod Success. Pod Success. With Joe Arias, speaking to investors about the pitfalls and successes of remodels. These are top real estate investors. These are experts in the business. And this is Pod Success. Pod Success. Here is Joe Arias. Phil, what a true pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Joe. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Um, Phil, how are you? I, I, before we just start up, I just want to say that Phil has been a mentor to me, and, and guys, really go look for the gold in this on this um, in this uh, meeting because he has a lot of wisdom. So, uh, without further ado, uh, how are things going, Phil? Great, Joe. It's good to see you. Uh, good to be here. I know you're doing some great things for the community and some of your new. And new investors, builders, flippers. Um, so it's good to be here. Awesome. Glad to be of help. Absolutely. Thank you. Let's, you know, uh, Phil, why don't we just start, you know, I like to start about talking a little bit about you as a, as a person, not as much as, a, as an, an investor yet or a business. Can you share a little bit about you? Where, where did you? where did you grow up and, you know, how were your beginnings? Awesome. Um, yeah, I'll go back to when I first came to the country. I came here in 87, September of 1987, uh, immigrant from Iran. Um, I kind of have a long commute from there. I lived in Austria for a while and then moved to New York. Uh, I, I, I was 11 years old when I first came to the U.S. and um, always kind of knew that I wanted to be in the architecture building world. My, my father was a is a civil engineer. Um, he also studied architecture. He lived most of his life in Austria and Germany. So kind of came from that kind of a background of always creating and building and designing. And I really enjoyed it as a kid. So did my brother. So, um, you know, throughout elementary school and junior high school, I kind of had that passion of building things and designing things. So I was involved in kind of like mechanical drawing classes or even like carpentry, those things always interested me. And uh, from in high school, I remember very clearly, I told my mom that I want to be an architect. And wow. so, uh, and my mentors and my you know, high school teachers, I want to be an architect. And it was just like my passion. And uh, they said, don't do it. Don't do it. It's, there's no money in it for you. Even my mom brought someone, uh, one of her architect friends, over for dinner one night and he's like, don't do it. There's no money in it for you. So originally out of high school, I'm like, okay, well, if I'm not going to make money, I was very discouraged. I, mm. uh, I went to uh, study pharmacy, all wow. things, right? Yeah. So I, I studied pharmacy for a little bit and it honestly took me one class to decide that I hated it. <laughs> not that I was bad at it or right, anything, right, right, right. but it's just not how I saw my future. So um, I kind of stuck with pharmacy for a semester and, one of my buddies uh, called me one day. Is like, you know, I he was studying engineering, and he said, you know, I, I want to go study architecture. And I'm like, you know what? Me too. Wow. And just like that, a week later, we went to uh, New York Tech together, and we registered for uh, 
for the following semester. Wow. And that's what we did. And I was, I was like, you know what? I, I'm just going to do it and see how, how I can get by and uh, we'll figure it out. So um, registered to New York Institute of Technology in Manhattan, uh, right there on Columbus Circle. And uh, I remember my first class, uh, our teacher stood up and, and he's like, what are you guys doing here? Really, like there's no work for you. He actually said that to us. The teacher. The teacher said that to us. And, so uh, that was the second mentor telling you, so, uh, yeah, don't do it. You're, you're feeling this anxiety and <laughs> you know, being discouraged. Oh my God, am I making the right choice? And here I am, I'm what, 18 years old, right? And uh, I'm like, okay, let's just see how the first semester goes. And we had, um, there was three classes of fundamental designs. Uh, each class was about between 40 to 45 students. By the end of the semester, there was nine. Wow. Total. I mean, our kind of running joke was, I wonder who's not going to come tomorrow. Wow. Right? But I, I, I loved it. I enjoyed it, spending, you know, the time drafting. And back in the days, I was, it was the repeater graph with the, you know, the vinyl um, and the mylars that we would draw with the rulers and getting the pen weights right. And so I, I got that experience of drawing by hand. And this was, not that AutoCAD wasn't around yet, but it wasn't around to like all of the school. So I... I, I I was fortunate to learn how to draft that way. Uh, so I, f I finished my undergraduate studies there. And in architecture, there are uh, multiple degrees that you can get. You can either go for a four-year degree or a five-year professional degree. And, mm. and for me, um, there is there's a definitive end to getting your education. Would be uh, the four-year degree wouldn't, wouldn't lead to a licensure. So I was like, you know, I'm doing the five-year program. Mm. You were committed. <clears throat> I was committed from day one. Uh, I, I was committed before I even you were shut <laughs> down by committed. Right, exactly. So um, a five-year program, I wind up doing it in four years by taking summer classes. Yeah. And, uh, and it, just, it just felt right to me. It just felt right. <clears throat> uh, and, uh, uh, you know, there's, I, I realized that there's a difference between being educated as an architect and having the practical knowledge of an architect. So uh, I, I offered... Um, I wanted to work within the architecture or even engineering field, whatever it was to get get me in the construction realm. Uh, so I worked for the structural engineer out in Brooklyn, um, getting paid really next to nothing, but it didn't really matter. Uh, got to learn kind of the how the building department worked, how some of the detailing worked, how the house or buildings kind of came together. Mm. The practical aspects of that. In construction or in architectural? Architecture and engineering. Engineer, got it. Um, which kind of led me to kind of learn uh, about how structurally a house or a building, I mean, back then we were doing more brownstones and kind of things like that, but at, at least it gave me a knowledge of how things were kind of built, right? Um, so after graduation, I, I'm like, okay, so what's next for me? And I was working for architects. I worked some for my professors mostly, but uh, for an architect uh, that we were doing, uh, we worked on the Mann Library from uh, uh, Cornell. So mm. That was great. We did some really cool lofts in Soho. Mm. Uh, we did, um, anyway, some high-rise wow. kind of uh, investigations and things like that. And I was like, okay, so what's next for me? And for me... For some reason, I it kind of segued into teaching. So mm. I, uh, I was like, okay, so what do I need? What do I need to be a professor? Mm. And uh, looking at the professors that I had, 
they had masters. Some of them had doctorate degrees. So I'm like, okay, so that's that's next. I, I, I should get my master's degree while I'm working on, you know, uh, accruing my hours to actually sit for the licensure. So I applied to a number of different universities uh, that I was really interested in. And uh, I wound up landing in um, uh, Columbia University. Uh, now, Columbia is a ex- very competitive school. Mm. I, I applied to a couple of different Ivy League colleges. Uh, I, I, got a, I got accepted to MIT. I didn't get accepted to my top choice, which was Harvard. But I really, I got accepted to Columbia. I'm like, okay, this is it. So I went to Columbia um, with a mass, you know, getting a master's degree. And um, Columbia was completely different than my undergraduate studies. It was it wasn't as practical, I would say. Mm. Uh, it was very much design oriented. In fact, their their degree program was called Advanced um, Architectural Design. Um, so that again segue to another kind of aspect of architecture, which wasn't practical aspects, which was strictly design and uh, more like the art than mechanical. Cr- exactly, very very creative part of it, which uh, obviously was interesting to me, being that you know. Uh, motivated into architecture, uh, I met a girl while I was in uh, uh, end, of, end, end of the year uh, undergraduate studies, and uh, she's uh, she was from California, oh. and uh, so we, we both kind of realized that this is not going to go anywhere unless one of us makes a sacrifice. Mm. So I, I got accepted to Columbia, and I, I I said to her, I'm like, you know what, you move here for one year, I'll graduate, and I'll move back with you. Mm. Two weeks later. Got on a plane, moved to New York. Wow! And uh, you know, as soon as we graduated, she graduated from uh, the local school. And as soon as I graduated, we uh, three days later moved to New York, moved to California. Wow! And that was kind of it. Uh, started uh, putting out resumes. Um, I put you know, all these online websites. Mm-hmm. And I put my resume, and I got a call for uh, being a construction manager for the Los Angeles Unified School District. Mm. And so here I'm thinking, okay, now uh, I came from the design world. Now this is my opportunity to learn how to build. Wow. So um, I took that position. Uh, It was a kind of like a starting position. Um, We did the projects they gave me. It was very simple, safety and technology upgrades, some stupid fencing projects and things like that. And eventually I kind of, uh, they gave, they trusted me more with, um, like remodels or uh, building new lunch shelters and things like that. Wow. And then I got recruited to go into the um, the main office over at Beaudry, which was the headquarters, to start a new team, with this, which they called the, uh, the closeout team. Essentially, they had uh, something like 2,400 projects that they, they just needed closed out, right? Wow. So um, myself, along with uh, uh, a couple of other guys, we started the group, um, got everything organized. Uh, I, you know, with with LA school construction or any school construction, public funded school constructions, uh, you don't go to your typical route of building and safety. There's a different organization called the Division of State Architect or mm. DSA, and uh, I learned the ins and outs of that organization mm. through and through. Wow! And uh, so. I, I worked in Beaudry for, I want to say, about four years. And uh, I became the liaison between LAUSD and the state. I helped them write policies, and I helped them kind wow. of get organized. And uh, bef- by the time I left, and now you're talking about 2,400 
publicly funded projects. It was about $4 billion worth of money. Wow. Uh, you know, you were, we're signing uh, pay app approvals like a million dollars a week. You know, wow. Like this crazy, crazy amount of money coming and going. And uh, by, the, by the time four years were kind of towards the end, my 2,400 projects, I was able to finish them all by 80 projects. I mean, that's how productive we were. Mm. Uh, set of plus policies. And I was, I'm very policy and, and kind of procedural. Protocol. Very much Checks so. and balances. Yeah. And that's just kind of how I was raised, really. So uh, creating checklists of, you know, A happens and then B happens. And you can do C and D together, that kind of a thing. Mm. Um, paying attention to schedules, paying attention to uh, what we call in the construction world a trifecta, right? You have, mm. yeah, it's like a pyramid where you have the schedule, the budget, and the quality. And they are kind of in harmony with one another. Uh, and if you raise or, or you reduce the schedule, you can in essentially hurt one of the other parts of the triangle. So I, I really understood that. Um, and uh, towards the tail end of being there, I, I was like, okay, you know, what what am I, what I want to do? What's, what's, next? what's next for me? And um, I realized that I, I want to build, I love building, but I also love architecture. And at the same time, I love the, uh, I mean, obviously we wanted to make money, right? But I wanted the autonomy of being my own boss. Hmm. So here I am in those, those years, I'm working on getting my license as an architect. And in between tests and, and you know, getting a, a degree in architecture is one thing, but getting your license, especially in the state of California is another. Uh, back then when I was taking it, there was 10 exams and it was just brutal, a lot of work. Hmm. Uh, so in between exams, I... I wanted to just kind of keep going and studying and learning more things. So I studied to become uh, a broker, a real estate broker. Mm. So in my off time, if that would make any sense, I would uh, mm. uh, study for the broker's exam. So I would take those online classes. and. But at yeah. this point, no investments on your own. No, no. You're I'm still working at education. Still Love working it. at LAUSD for a salary. Got it. Um, and I uh, got my broker's license. I'm still studying for my architect's license. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get my contractor's license. I got my contractor's license. I did a whole bunch of other little certifications wow. of certified construction manager, Cal Emo certified. I wound up getting certified with the state to be a plan checker mm. just to really understand, like, Man, you know, the incredible. other side. Yeah, my, my goal was to understand how everybody else works so I can navigate through it more efficiently. When it happens, you can, yeah, you have, you know, understanding so you can delegate it. Exactly. Either delegate it or, or I, I don't want to come to a situation where someone told me, no, you can't do X. Because I, I wanted to be intelligent enough to say, yes, I can. That's right. Or yes, and this is how you do it. That's right. So in order to get a process done or get something built, I didn't want someone just to tell me, okay, this is it. This is what you're going to have to do, and it is this or, or nothing else. So coming up with solutions was always kind of my goal. Mm. And uh, um, I remember when the day that I got my uh, passing grade for my architecture, it was just like one of those one of those phenomenal days. <laughs> like, okay, this is there's an end here for me. Like I, I accomplished all of these years of five years of undergrad and another year and a half of master's degree, all these working hours, all these years of studying and taking exams. It finally is an end. Uh, and I had my daughter, my first daughter. I have three girls. Wow. And, uh, um, at that time, 2008, I had my, my first daughter and happiest moment of my life, right? Uh, so I'm, you know, wanted to grow, wanted to do more. 
uh, I left LAUSD and I started a, um, a consulting firm mm. called uh, Denali Consulting. Denali Cons- consulting. consulting. Not construction yet. Not yet. No, no, I wasn't in construction yet. Got it. Uh, it was Denali Consulting. And uh, I, at this time, I became a subject matter expert for old school construction. Uh, so the LA Community College had this, um, the inspector general called me. And she says, you know, we're looking for kind of like a senior position to help us with all the litigations or fraud and investigations as related to school construction or LACCD construction per se. So I went on board and um, we, you know. Full-time job, part-time consultant. It it, it was a full-time job. Got it. Uh, but the hours were uh, kind of up to me as long as Flexible. the tasks were kind of Got done. It. So it allowed me to spend more time with my family, allowed me more time to come home and uh, pick up my daughter from you know school and so on and Absolutely. so forth, which was great. Um, so I, I did that for almost two years. And I'm like, okay, you know what? It's I, I need to take the plunge and get into the construction. I love it. As an investor, as or as a, as a hired uh, well, at first, not an investor, Got as it. a contractor, as a contractor. So the vast difference. So learning, learning with clients, and then in the future, do your own. Correct. Got and, it. And I really didn't know what I'm getting myself into. Of course. So here you are. You're meeting in front of a client and trying to create a proposal. How much do things really cost? And I can wow. tell you, residential. Uh, this was a single family wow. major remodel and a kind of like a small addition. Um, and I really didn't know what, what I'm getting myself involved in. And you had a license. And I had my all my licenses. Wow. So they hired me to get their permit for their addition and all their Perfect. bathroom remodels Perfect. and kitchen remodel and things like that. And that was okay. That was easy. Um, when we sat down to kind of estimate the pricing, I'm like, okay, so the, you know, when we're building a school, how much does it really cost? And how much does it cost in the private sector? And there's a huge difference. You know, construction in the in a public sector is is completely different. Things cost more because there's more paperwork and there's union wages and so on and so forth. So that took a little bit of learning and kind of investigating and getting proposals and bids and things like that. How much? Like, what was the quote and how far was it? This first project? It wasn't a big con. It was maybe one hundred twenty, one hundred thirty thousand uh, dollars. Wind I'm not making any money on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. Right. Uh, but uh, but I, one thing I knew going into it is I'm not just the architect. I'm not just the contractor. I'm also the therapist, mm. the marriage family therapist. I'm like, I'm going to be between the husband and wife and their kids. Because wow. there's going to be situations where the, where the father is going to say, I want X. And the mother is going to say, no, I want Y. And their kids are going to say, you know, I, I don't want either one of wow. them. Wow. And that's exactly what happened. And that's what happened. And uh, did you like that new position? It was horrible. Okay. Yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> okay. It really was. It was uh, torturous. Oh my um, god. I one of the, one example I'll give you is uh, paint colors, right? You would think just paint colors. Just a paint color. It's simple, right? Uh, I told them, you know, just go to the store and pick out some samples. I'll put them on the wall for you and you pick because you're looking at a little swatch at a paint store is completely different than seeing actually real on the light, wall. natural light, it's different or, lights, you know, and your 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 space is going to be different than the showroom. I come there and there's 32, oh. 32 samples, on the, the so I had my painter put them all up, and uh, uh, it took him about a week to make a decision. Of course, nobody agreed, and they're asking me for my opinion, or your, you know, what do you think, and so on and so forth. And uh, so I gave them my opinion, and they wound up going with something else anyway. 
uh, to finally picked, and uh, I bought about 75 gallons of paint. This was a big house. 75 gallons of paint. I brought it on. I had about six or seven painters waiting there. First roll. First roll. And they're like, that's not what we want. Ooh. And I'm like, okay, so where do we go from here? And <laughs> so now I have to argue with these guys saying, okay, I paid for the paint. So I got all these guys standing. You. And they didn't. They didn't want to. They didn't want to refund you. They're like, you know, your contract says paint. It was just, it was crazy. It wow. was It was unrealistic. It was just. Now, let me use, this is a great uh, example. So to kind of tie it up with our investors, so be very like when you hire a contractor, be a specific, right? Oh yeah, because the contractor on the other side, the contractor will be like, "Oh no, this was just paint." Specificity, specificity in construction is critical. It's critical. Uh, notes on the plans, dimensions on the plans, uh, as clear and concise as your drawings are, the smoother the project will go. Beautiful. It's just a given. So just golden nugget, guys, here, um, which is when you are hiring a contractor, make sure if, 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 the, if the contractor is, it's, you know, experienced or not experienced, or, you know, hopefully very experienced enough to put it, if not requested, you know, how specific you want it to. What you don't want to do is to get in a position where the contractor, it's, you know, doing change of orders or, or adding more things to the, to the, to the bill and, and you're paying for it. So, yeah. And, and you're going to have some, um, some investors who are going to be their own GC mm. and they're going to have their subcontractors or hire subcontractors to do framing or, you know, foundation or so on and so forth. And in, in that regards, again, being very clear on exactly what the scope of work is, because there's going to be some gray areas where trades kind of, you know, go, go yeah, into each yeah. other and who does what is That's critical. Right. Otherwise, each, they're going to point fingers at each other and so on and so forth. So uh, for me, I came from a world where I am the architect. I am the contractor. Mm. I, 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 you know, all the subs kind of work under me. Mm. So I, I was very clear in my drawings. I was very clear in the construction. And if there was any um, ambiguity in the construction, we spoke about it before they started. Mm. Managing expectations. Managing expectations. I love that. That's and a, and a, being in communication. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about like these traits that usually overlap. Like what, can you shine a little bit of light of that? What would it be? Would it be framing with drywall or painting? Yeah, with framing with drywall is a good example, okay. right? You have your framer that comes in and, you know, you, you got your nominal lumber of two by fours and two by sixes or two by twelves or whatever, right? And you're looking at a lumber that is essentially, it's a natural product, and it's never perfect, right? There's waves, there's bows, there's twists and so on into the lumber. So once it's framed, the drywaller comes in and, and all of your walls are wavy. So what you have to do is someone has to do the straight edge, right? And make sure all the walls are straight and all your joists are straight and so on and so forth. So when the drywall is actually hung, it's nice and straight. Who does that? Is that the framer? Is that the drywaller? Who does that? So that, that kind of specificity, specificity has to be kind of designated early on. So you say, okay, Mr. Framer, you're doing the framing. I'm not going to pay you the last X amount until A, the final the inspector has signed off on your framing. Mm. And B, I have the drywaller who certifies that you're, you know, you're, you're straight. Mm. He'll come in, the drywall will come in and say, okay, I see a problem here or I'm missing a backing there and so on and so forth. But it's your responsibility to fix mm. it. And as long as it's made clear to the framer that that's what he needs to do and that's included in his contract, 
there shouldn't be any as long as in any the issues. Yeah. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. I know that you have uh, a lot of experience uh, with flips and doing ground up. I think it was kind of like an evolution for you. Started with flips and then moved to. I mean, your houses are absolutely gorgeous. I've been in in, in some of them. Uh, I know you're currently working on a pretty big one in uh, Beverly Hills. I have a couple um, of big ones in Beverly Hills. Oh, wow. Uh, I have one on uh, in the flats of Beverly Hills. Uh, it's a two-story with a full basement, indoor swimming pool. I saw that one. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's a big house. Are you done? Last time I was there, there you were like... Doing, we're painting. painting. The finishes are kind of going in now. Tell me, tell me uh, about this one. So this uh, this is uh, on a 500 block in Beverly Hills Flats. Uh, it's a 11,500 square foot house. Wow. Big house. Um and it has an indoor swimming pool, which poses its own challenges. And, you know, as a, as a builder and architect, you try to keep water out. Here you go. You have a program where the water is inside the house. So how do you deal with that, with, with mold, potential mold or uh, humidity and things like that? So there's things that you need to – I needed to learn. And, uh, you know, they have the humidification systems that cost $30,000 and some are $70,000. And, you know, you kind of have to weigh the risk and which way you're going to go and – you know, when it comes to mold, that's something you just don't skimp out on. So mm. I wind up spending more money on that. But regardless, yeah. um, it's it, I wasn't the architect for this house. Um, it's a traditional house uh, in Beverly Hills, which, again, their process is completely different than L.A. or, say, They have Santa their own Monica. rules and regulations. Yeah, their inspection process is different, which is okay. As long as you understand what it is, you just have to, you know, follow bite, it yeah. and, uh, and not really argue about it, right? Because there's, there's no sense. And houses here, I, I would imagine you can't buy anything for under, like, $2 million. This is probably going to be a $17 million house uh -huh. by the time it's done. After, yeah. Yeah. Um, then I have another two projects. How much you hills. bought this one for? I, I'm not the owner on this one. This but one, it's how much? Oh, it was. It was. It was, some, it was bought for five and a half. Got it. And, and then you. You. Yeah, I gave him a lump sum contract. Got it. Uh, and uh, he's gonna hopefully make make some good money. Obviously, of he's he's taking the risk um, on you know, carrying costs. And but what a brilliant idea as an investor, right? Not sometimes as a strategy, don't put all your money yourself. Yeah, if I was to say anything about investing, yes, know please. what you know, and also more importantly, know what you don't know. Mm. Hire the right people. Because if you're hiring someone who, uh, you know, hasn't really worked on basements, for example, under waterproofing, and they make promises that, yeah, this project is going to take one year, you're going to be seriously disappointed. Mm. Uh, not only on the schedule, which obviously affects your bottom line because mm. you're carrying costs and so on, but also your budget. And I've seen it happen time and time again where, you know, a homeowner comes in and says, you know, Mr. Contractor, how long is it going to take you? I tell them, you know, it takes me six months. And it's like, well, but this other guy said it's going to take three months. How are you different? I'm like, listen, there's no way you're going to build this house for three in three months unless X, Y, and Z happens. Uh, managing expectations. Wow. Uh, and then uh, next thing you know, the guy who said it's going to take three months, it takes a year and a half. Yeah. Uh, and not not that all of it is is the contractor's fault. A lot of times, it's the client's fault by them not picking their finishes. Clients, so inspectors. So yeah, and well, inspectors are. I, I wouldn't really put it on inspectors mm. per se. If the inspectors or, or, or yeah, or not not knowing, you know, Pasadena is different than LA, right? So not knowing certain areas as a contractor will affect. It's. It, I'll say it has to do when when you're talking about inspectors. I'm, I'm more related to the contractor's knowledge. Exactly. 
So exactly. again, well really, like I, I wouldn't, I don't know anything about how city of Burbank works, for example. Right. I've never worked there. Uh, not that I can't learn, but I make that kind of known, known to the to the owner that hey, you know, I, I don't know how to work here. I can learn, but I don't know enough about that that area. Got it. Um, then I got two hillside, large hillside projects. Uh, one of them is uh, eleven thousand square feet, and one of them is uh, fourteen thousand square feet. Uh, massive caissons. I mean, some serious grading, which uh, you know has its own com- completely separate kind of process of haul routes and things like. How do you get dirt out? How do you export? How do you you know bring trucks in? Uh, access becomes its yeah, own access, challenge. Yeah. Um, Tell us more about this. I love what you're saying, and and I think this is not only for like you know ground up construction. It could be applied for you know you know for a lot of our students who are brand new. You know what would you say the pitfalls and and the risks to know about so we don't so they don't we don't make them. What would be those risks be if you're starting a new a new project as if you know first time or first five flips? So it it all depends on the on the investor's experience and kind of their knowledge, right? Uh, let's say it's minimal. Yeah, I mean, let's say it's nothing, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I I came from the world of knowing design and knowing construction, so the, I I was uh, I had that edge. But say say an investor comes in and wants to do a flip, and this is their first flip, and they don't know anything about construction or design. Uh, the first critical part is to have an architect who's on your side mm. and is clear and detailed and have a complete set of construction documents that you can really rely on. If they want to do an addition, for instance, right? Even that, anything, addition, remodel, new construction, doesn't really matter. Um, in, in the world of permitting, the, the permit set of drawings are they're not really construction set of drawings. And what I mean by that is the details that you need during the course of construction, the building department doesn't care. Mm. They don't care how your cabinet is built or, or the height of your light fixture above the vanity. They don't care about that stuff. They look at structural, they look at fire life safety, they look like en- energy calculations, they look like massing and uh, you know things like that. That's what they look for. So you have the... the um, building and safety set, but your, your architect also has or should work on your construction set. Beautiful. So architect, what else? Um, fi- hiring the right trades, hiring the right people. So if Hiring you the right contractor. Contractor right? or trade. I mean, it depends how your investor wants to move forward. And hiring the right contractor, again, goes back to what I said before, has to be someone who knows the area, knows the scope of work, right? You're building a basement, for example, you need a guy who... Has done tons of them. Um, what if you're doing a, you know, you're going in the first first project. You don't want to do any like additions. You don't want to get an architect. You know, maybe you get a, a, a you know, a, a, you get a, a draftsman and yeah, you get something very simple. You get a few permits, remodel permits. What are the advice? What's the what are the golden nuggets that you advise people? So uh, I'll give you kind of some of the things that uh, um, I would always be careful with. Uh, say you have an investor that wants to get involved in doing a flip or doing a remodel, right? So remodels are such projects where, uh, obviously, we don't have x-ray vision. We don't know what we don't know. Mm. And going into it and uh, you want to do a light bathroom remodel and you, you open up the wall and next thing you know, the studs are rotted or, wow. or the plumbing is done. That's right, because you don't know because you don't you're, know. you're an escrow. Right. You can't open a wall. Well, yes, you can't open you, a wall. Uh, there are certain things that you can do before you buy the property. Make sure the sewer line, the main, at least the lateral get is an okay. Inspection. Get a definitely do a home inspection to understand what you're getting yourself into into but in the end 
you're not going to have an all-inclusive list. So uh, when we are doing, say, if you're doing a new construction, you'll put a set of contingencies, 5%, 7%, depending on your experience. Whatever that number is for a remodel would be much higher mm. because there's a lot more unknown. I've gone to a project where we expected just to do a bathroom remodel. Next thing you know, I have to change the entire electrical wiring for the entire wow. house or yeah, all the sewer system. 20, 30, 40, depending how big the house is. Because Maybe it was to- done. Yeah, you don't know. You just don't know. So uh, your expectations uh, on your budget is is important. Uh, don't underestimate. Don't overestimate. Get a couple of bids. Uh, and How compa- many bids? Uh, as a contractor? Uh, no, as an investor. Yeah, but hiring yeah, yeah, a contractor. contractor yes. Uh, I would say minimum three. Three. Okay. Uh, five would be preferable. Okay. And what I look at, uh, what I would look at if if I was going that route is uh, whoever the lowest number is, uh, essentially, unless they're kind of clustered in pricing together, um, if if the, the like the lowest number is way off, like really low, I would be very Doubted. skeptical. Yeah. Very skeptical. A lot of times I would even throw it away. Uh, it would just be careful because you, you'll have a contractor that will bid the project really, really Just low, to get it. And then he's going to be play catch up. Whether it was intentional or not doesn't really matter. But then uh, he's playing catch up the rest of the game, the rest mm. of the time. Change orders and change orders. Or, or you're not his priority. Right, mm. he has other jobs, and he wants to keep more. his guys busy. And he'll just bring his guys whenever they're not busy doing other places that he's actually making money on. That's right. Uh, you want to be his priority. So, uh, a lot of times, not paying the market value or not paying the actual right amount will actually hurt you in the long run. Absolutely. I, I, I also like when I, you know, when we do our our remodels, when I talk to the contractors to to separate it, labor and material. Make sure that you don't get a one lump sum. Just how much for your labor, how much for your material. Because, you know, if, if as a client, if you pick higher end costs on, on material, then the bill will be higher. But if you're getting like some really, you know, inexpensive cabinets, then the bill should be cheaper. Yeah, I, I've seen some people uh, work out... Uh, you know, give me price for labor to install tiles, mm. whatever the tiles is. So, uh, I mean, there are some limitations if you're picking crazy mosaics for tile. Mm. But uh, if you're doing your standard, but for the most part, you get an allowance or whatever, right? You 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 say, okay, um, you know, I'm going to charge X amount of dollars per square foot. Uh, and then the owner has to make sure that he selected all the material. Or you select the material and then you give the list to the uh, contractor and say, okay, this is my stuff and this is how much they cost. You put mm. it on your bid, but you order it when you need to. Mm. Okay, that's awesome. So kind of like to do a recap because I think we're getting a lot of gold here. I guess, number one, education. The importance of education, right? Like when you, maybe when, by the time you purchase a property, you've done your research. Phil has done a lot of studies before he actually started doing it. Education, number one. The architect, number two. Build a great team, right? This is what I'm getting, Phil. Get a great team, architect being number one. Um, then if you're just going to do remodels, make sure that you have a good contractor, someone you can trust. Someone that also the bid, when, when they bid at the job, don't get the cheapest one. Sometimes cheaper will mean more expensive along the way. Um, we did talk about uh, inspections. Make sure that you get a good inspector. Uh, you, you know, we talked about sewer inspection, general inspection. Um, what other ideas, what other, you know, um, and what other things that we can give more um, value? So I'll step back for a second and, you know, talking about education. You know, I, again, I came from the architecture world. Uh, some of your investors are not going to come from that world. And what they're, what I would say is at least learn how to read plans. 
right? Uh, there's a lot of uh, either online courses or just kind of local community colleges or even you know extensions who uh, they teach uh, construction management or you know how to read plans, how to budget, schedule, Great things idea. like that. And I think it's it's useful. And it, you know it may take you know one semester of your time, but the knowledge uh, is is very important. Um, visiting the job site and seeing how the guys are doing mm. progress and you know things like that and sometimes uh, you know I, I've even seen for a larger project the owner hiring uh, or the investor hiring a project manager just a construction manager or project manager who visits the sites looks at the pay apps and once a week five times a week whenever. depends it depends on the scale of the project obviously um, larger projects more often uh, make sure you get all of your like he'll, he'll probably look at um, all, all the releases Right for someone who's hiring contractor, you want to make sure that all the subs and the suppliers are paid, right? Because last thing you want to do is you, you're trying to sell the property and then uh, you got a lien on your property. Mm. You have a you know you have a mechanics lien on your. Wow, property. that's a good tip right there. So you got to make Check. sure all your notice of completions are filed on time as soon as the project is finished. Get your conditional and unconditional releases from your subcontractors and suppliers uh, as you're paying your contractor for their. For their fees uh, and their contracts, so all th those are kind of documents that you want to always mm. you want to check. This is a, th I think this is a good one. You touch on something interesting, which is where, and I want to say it because I've I've heard it before. Where when you actually go, you know, you're in escrow, you're buying a house, you want to remodel. Make sure you go to the city. Make sure that you're looking at, you know, can you talk a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, if you're looking at an investment property, the first thing you want to do is really identify the scope of work. Not only what you want to do, but what you're able to do, mm. right? So, say you wanna you wanna build a um, a thousand square foot addition. You say, oh wow, if I do a thousand square foot addition, I'm gonna be able to sell it for X amount of dollars and make so much money. Okay, great. Can you? Can you build a thousand square feet? Uh, how much is it gonna cost? Yes, they are so, right. Yeah, the floor area ratio or massing or. Oh, maybe you have to do a second story. It's gonna affect your budget. It's gonna affect your schedule. So yes, go to the city or talk to your architect. Um, Mr. Architect, I got this project. It's, uh, what can I do? I'd like to do X, Y, and Z. Is, it, is that possible? And um, they'll be able to tell you very quickly, depending on the zoning and the location. Uh, yes. Also, any uh, any illegal additions? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, when when you're in escrow, a um, couple of things that I look at is what does the uh, the seller say is the square footage of the house, and what does the assessor say is the square footage of the house. And if there's a big difference, uh, I try to understand, was there an addition? If there was an addition, was it permitted? And uh, this actually may be a goldmine for investors because if there's an addition done without a permit, you could potentially get a major reduction in the price. Mm. And sometimes, depending on the project, you can actually get that area permitted rather quickly. Mm. So here you are, let's say you have a 200 square foot uh, illegal uh, addition, but the city will allow you to do the 200 square foot addition and the or, you know the seller didn't do it you can buy it cheaper go to the city do some paperwork open up some drywalls call for some inspections wow if everything is okay that's a great advice you, you right? get quick uh, quick bang for your buck you might get $50,000 reduction in escrow and then you know when you close guess what that you can right. you can just permit it right it's a possibility it's a possibility and those are good things to look for pro another con could be you know, inspector comes in, it's like, sorry, kid, you have to kind of like tear it down. Yeah, you look, uh, waterproofing, I've seen on illegal additions all the time. Uh, they're just not done, they're not done right. So you have water damage inside the place or you have dry rot on, on the beams or, or your studs. 
which will cause you to you know kind of wonder is it better to tear it all up and start from scratch or you want to open up some walls and fix some things and fix some waterproofing things so that'll be a decision you'll have to kind of make in conjunction with your home inspector your architect your contractor and and see if what makes sense. It's such a, I mean, it's, we're so, it, it's such an interesting world, um, you know, real estate investments, remodels, because when you start, it's when you truly need all the help yes. to get started. But it's the point that you're most vulnerable. Yeah, you don't, you don't know anything. Or you, you, it's what you're saying. You, you know that you don't know it, or even worse, you don't know that you don't know it. Right. That's even worse. That's you don't even, know that you don't know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's why I think your, your uh, kind of seminar is, is critical. Thank you. To guide people saying, okay, be careful. You go in this route, that's fine. It could be profitable. And, Thank you. Uh, you know, and just be careful for X, Y, and Z. I have seen investors uh, lose their shirt <sighs> on, on projects that really should have been really profitable for something just uh, not hiring the right persons. Really really not hiring the right contractor or the right architect. And uh, I've just- Where seen. can they get you? Where can a, an architect or a contractor can get you? That's a loaded question. I know. Uh, where, can, where can an architect- kind I'm of trying to like this, make this distinguish for our students so they can look at these things. And it's like, okay, I, I heard this incredible interview with Phil Rizvani and he was telling me about this and then I'm like, I, I'm going to ask that person okay. that this question. Where, where, where are the areas that are vulnerable? So if, if you go to, when you go to an architect and say, okay, this is my scope of work. Can we do this? Is it possible? Is it feasible? And by feasible, is it economically feasible or is it just really feasible to do because of the conditions of so on and so forth, whatever it is. And going into that meeting, um, the investor needs to say, okay, I intend on doing this scope of work. I want to spend this amount of money, $100,000. Can that be done? Uh, the pitfalls with architect could be where they over-design, mm. right? They over-design it and they, instead of you having to spend a hundred grand, now you have to spend 200 grand, mm. right? Uh, I mean, creative souls that we are, we want to do things that look great. And it's just fantastic. And they might not that. be investors themselves, so they don't know what adds value, real value. A lot value. of architects don't understand um, budget and how much things wow. realistically cost. Because it will look good for them. They'll say, I build that, but they don't know if that's actually going to bring money back to the investor enough. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've bid on projects where, uh, you know, the guy, the owner comes in and gives me this beautiful set of plans and he's like, okay, how much, um, what can I build it for? And I would say, okay, say for example, five million bucks. He's like, really? I was hoping to build this for three. I told my my architect that I, I, I don't want to spend more than three million. I'm like, there's no way you can build this for $3 million. I mean, you have some serious caissons or grading and, you know, a lot of steel. I've had a project where I had to spend my cost, a million dollars worth of steel. Alone. Your cost? My cost. As a... As a as a as an architect contractor, just as a as an owner, like a, a, a spec builder, a spec builder. As a spec builder, I had to spend a million dollars in steel. Because I had someone project. misquote you something. No, because the expectations was just completely off. Oof. Yeah, so uh, you know, talk to a contractor even early on as you're designing, so you can understand. You know, a lot of architects don't understand about the cost of things, and. Uh, Working in conjunction with a contractor early on, you can save things. You can save money on construction. Do you put them in the same room? Do you have a phone call? Yeah, I mean, if you if you know your team that early on, absolutely, get them on the team. Get your construction documents kind of kind of set. Uh, maybe even work with a structural engineer and mm. say, okay, you got my joist running in this direction. 
I can save money by running in this direction. Or mm. instead of using two by 12s, can we use TJIs? It's a little bit more money, but then I don't have to do soffits and I can cut through the web and you know it'll be easier down the road. Construction will be faster. I, I'll spend more money on the lumber. Labor is probably about the same, but I'm going to probably save money on not having to do soffits. I'm not going to save money for making things, you know, prettier mm. in, a sense, in a sense. So um, doing that with the architect and the contractor is really, really important. Very important. Okay. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, wow. Phil, I'm, we're getting, yeah, I'm so excited to have you today, <laughs> really. Yeah, it's it's a little bit hard to kind of uh, put uh, the entire construction process and no, investment process into like a 45-minute uh, period. I, I've, 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 honestly, it's... And I know that like, you know, our students right now, the, the audience is just not in their heads because it's so, and we're not done by the way. So I'm just okay. stopping right now to acknowledge you that, you know, it's just such an, just, just such a great experience to have you here and, and have you share about your, your, your knowledge. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your first flip. Um, you know, when was that? How was it? How much money you made? You know, maybe you broke even because it was your first one. Uh, you have experience before, which that helps. Do you remember your first? Of course I do. Are you kidding? It's like learning how to walk. <laughs> I know, right? It's uh, like the, 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 girl, the, the girl that you yeah, first kissed, you know? It's insane. Of course, you'll never forget, you'll never the, forget. the anxiety and the That's fears. Right. <laughs> so my first flip was a duplex in downtown. Uh, and uh, the first time I went there, uh, it, was a, it was a duplex on Figueroa. I don't remember what the cross wow. street was. It was on Figueroa. Horrible, horrible area. Really scary. And uh, I went there. There's two separate structures, boarded up, disaster. I mean, the place was really disaster. So That might be a good thing, right, as an investor? It was a great thing, right? Uh, area was really shady, but you know I wanted to get my feet wet. I don't want just whatever whatever it took. So I went in and uh, uh, I was I knew I was getting a good price for it, and I had a partner too. What was the price? Uh, um, I bought it for two hundred twenty. Nice. Bought it for two hundred twenty thousand duplex. Did it have like an ADU in the back or no? What, no, no. What it was, was zoned. Another structure zone R two. Okay. Uh, two separate same site, eight hundred square foot each. Nice. Um, separate entrances. Nice. It, was, it was kind of uh, uh, an A-frame, very simple structure. And so I started developing a scope of work, changing windows, changing flooring, one bathroom remodel, one kitchen remodel, painting, patching. That, that was basically it. The roof was in good shape. Um, there was no hardscaping to be done. Maybe add some little vegetation to the front and some just make it, give it a little bit of curb appeal. And that was basically it. So uh, of course, I, you know, I went in and I measured everything and I drew it in CAD and uh, I started making notes and very excited and I hadn't closed escrow yet right mm. uh, I'm doing all of this thing in the you know before I even close escrow and again I had a partner so he uh, uh was he, he was, the money person he was the money guy tell he us a little bit money about guy. the money structure how did you find how did you find the money how did you find he's the money he's actually a good friend of mine okay uh he's he was he's another builder nice and he's uh he did you get a hard money loan? Was he putting some private money? We Were you partner? Hard money loan. You we did. got a hard money loan. What rates did you did you have it at that time? It was twelve percent. Wow, two points, one and a half. I don't remember how many points we paid because this was like was a, a few years ago. Which that was, uh, let's see, um, probably seven years ago. Yeah, yeah, was that was crazy. a little high at the time. Was it higher time? I don't know. I don't even know. Who knows? I mean, I, I kind of like, okay, I'm, it was I'm buying your first it cheap. One. You just win it. Say I spend an extra 50 grand on-, on 20% just, down? Just get my feet wet. 20% down cash or- it was, it, was 20, it was 20% down. You're right. It was 20% down. 
uh, and my partner and I put the money together. And remodel were they? Was that included in the in the loan? The remodel. Uh, yes, they gave us they nice. gave us a, a budget for the nice. remodel, and uh, basically I told them what I wanted for the money, uh, um, and they thankfully agreed. Great. So. I put the scope of work together. and How did you approach your friend? Like on the first deal with your friend, did you say, hey, I'm looking for a private money lender. Would you partner up with me or would you give me some money? No, it, it was actually different. I, I told my friend, you know, I really want to get my feet wet. I want to do this. And uh, do you have anything that, uh, you know, we can work together on? And uh, being a builder, he's like, yeah, I, I got something. I got something in downtown. It's too far from me. If you manage it, I'll partner with you. Wow. Great, let's do it. And so that's how we kind of got involved together. Uh, I was still working for LUSD, by the wow. way. And, uh, Part-time, this, perfect. Yeah, so I, I go in early morning, six o'clock in the morning, make mm-hmm. sure every, everything is kind of good. And then mm-hmm. right after work, and uh, I would go and see how much progress they made. Mm-hmm. So I got the budget and I said, okay, I'm going to spend, I think it was $50,000 nice. total. Good, good number. Yeah. Um, Full remodel? It was flip remodel for both of them. Got it. For both units. So two kitchens. Two kitchens, four two baths. Bath. And these two units were identical. So Got if it. I'm buying uh, you know, a, a six-foot uh, slab, the other one was six-foot slab Got also. It. it was just really double identical. Level. It was very easy in that, that regards. The windows were the same and so on and so forth. Uh, one that built doing it exactly for the right budget. We found the guy and he just kind of did everything. He needed some management, some oversight. I had to go with him to like uh, the supply yard to buy the windows and pick out the slabs, which uh, you know was okay. Um, wound up sitting on the market for a while when we were finished. How many months? Uh, I want to say about four months. Yeah, which was wasn't bad. But Why? Where it, do you think it sit for so long? The location was horrible. I mean, you know, demand supply maybe price. No, price was okay. Price okay. Uh, the first rule of real estate, right? Location, location, mm. location. Uh, location wasn't great. I mean, we knew it, but nevertheless, we made money. Uh, How much? Um, I want to say, um, we together collectively we made maybe about seventy grand. That's that's which not, was great. That's great uh, for two hundred and fifty thousand dollar first project. Y- yeah, it wet my beak, you know? I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I, I, spend, uh, I spend how much time on this project? How many months was the remodel? Oh, it was maybe a month and a half. Wow. It wasn't a lot of work. Under six regard. months old. Yeah. yeah $70,000, you were like... Yeah, and, and it helped me learn how a transaction actually happens. How do you mm. purchase the property? You know, Title and escrow. And yeah, contingency removals. Opening you know. maybe a binder, maybe you do, you know. I don't even know back then if I did a binder. That's right. But uh, um, nevertheless, uh, got through it. And uh, it was tough because I had to spend a lot of time or time that I thought I'm going to do. Uh, but I, I think part of it was because I wanted to spend the time. I wanted to learn. I wanted to be there and see how he's doing things. You know, Phil, that's one of the things I love, love about you is you're just hungry for knowledge. You've always been. If we don't learn... You're, you're stagnant, right? But you know, like, and, and I say this because in life, having a student mentality is the difference between, you know, you being at, at the source of life or you being at the effect of life. You're the person that is so, you're the kind of guy that you're sourcing. You're always like, you know, you, 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 are, you are your life and your world and you're always learning. And I love that about you. Thank you. Thank and, you. And I can tell that you love learning because you love teaching. Yes, I do. I I, I love uh, passing the information on to the to the next future you know, generations group of people, uh, and that was for me. That project was a rite of passage. Right here, I go from doing my first flip. It was prof- profitable. It was great. 
my second flip was exactly the opposite. <laughs> Why? Uh, and not because we did anything wrong, but uh, I had to deal with a squatter. Oh, man. And, you know, these guys broke into the house and they kind of destroyed it after the house was done. After? After, yeah. I mean, they, they brought a, a pit bull to took over one room. They destroyed it. Oh. It was just, but, you know, it, it, it's okay. In the end, I was lucky enough that these guys, I was able to get them that quickly. But lesson to be learned, right? Um, I love that, yeah. Next house. What was the lesson? Well, don't leave the house empty, mm. <laughs> right? Uh, next house, I had one of my workers. Um, I'm like, you know, just sleep there. And that's what he did during construction or no, after after it was when you're when you're in the, in the market. Yes, yes. When I was on the market, I had him I had him sleep there at nights, and uh, I even paid him for it. Uh, he had his dog in the backyard, mm. just kind of scaring off some people. And uh, especially the location, right? And a lot of this, like this, actually wasn't a bad area. Really, it was not a bad area. Look, I, I've heard of squatter issues in Beverly Hills. Yeah. So um, it, it's not really about the area. It's. It's, I guess, unfortunately, because there's legalities, right? Oh my God, yeah, yeah. Can I could, you tell us a little bit about that? I've, have you had any experiences? What were you having that path? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I. Uh, Where's the legal recourse, or do you just go there and you shout at them, so to scare them out? Or the guy straight out told me that he wants forty thousand dollars to move out. Oh wow. Just like it was that. a businessman on top of a squatter. I again, I was lucky. I was very fortunate that uh, I was able to get him out very quickly without having to pay him anything. But I, you know, talking about rite of passage, right? You go from a remodel job to a bigger remodel job to an addition to ultimately new construction of a single family home, and then maybe multifamily stuff, which is you know kind of I'm still doing the multifamily stuff. I'm doing the multifamily and I'm doing the single family high end stuff, right? Wow. So I, I, I had um, one pro I had two separate situations where I bought a single family home, I'm gonna build a house, right? And here's, this, this is in Crescent Heights, right? Good area. Oh. What's, Ho what's Hollywood? Culver City? It's not, it's uh, right by the Grove. Ooh, um, beautiful. Good area. So I, here I go, I, I, bought, I close escrow. And uh, I go there one day to just kind of make sure, you know, the gas is abandoned and the power is taken off. And there's a guy living in there. Keys are changed. Power is on. And the guy's living in there. No way. Yeah. So I go, I knock on the door. I'm like, what are you doing wow. here? And he goes, I want $40,000 and I'll move out. Wow. I'm like, dude, this isn't, you know, you got to go. I'm trying to be nice about the whole thing in the beginning. And he changed of course the keys? He, can't. he changed the keys. He, 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 you can. <laughs> what a booger. So I'm like, okay, uh, yeah, you get angry and you, of get, course. you get upset and you call the police. And the worst part of it all is the police comes and like, this is a civil matter. There's nothing we can do. Oh, you wow. got to go through that whole process. So he's like, yeah, $40,000 and, and I'll move out. So, okay, what do you do? Uh, you change the locks as soon as the guy leaves. And that's what I did. And as, as, He comes back again? Well, not only that, I put in construction fencing around and I put a chain and I put a lock so he can't get back in. Of course, he clips the lock and he no goes way. back in and he's like, I told you $40,000 and I'll go oh, out. Oh, wow. So, you know, and I don't recommend this to anybody to do, but I'm like, okay, come tomorrow. Tomorrow at noon, I'll meet you here and I'll give you $40,000. The Italian way. Well, you're talking no, my language. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's even kidding. better than that. It's even better than that. Uh, <laughs> like, Tony, come tomorrow at 12 o'clock. As soon as he left the house, I demolished it. The house? The entire house. I no demolished way. the whole thing. You were going to demolish it anyway? I was going to demolish it anyway. But oh, my God. I did it. I just demolished the whole thing with all of his stuff in it. Oh, wow. And that was it. Again, I don't recommend anybody <laughs> else doing this. But, uh, you know, I, I, I had my investors. And, and, and 
funny thing. Uh, but you're gonna remodel it anyways, right? You're gonna. Uh, that, this was actually a new construction house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I was yeah, gonna was tear just, it down anyway. Yeah. I was gonna build anyway, but um, I didn't have a permit. <sighs> So I'm like, okay, well, let's weigh the balances, right? And at this this project, uh, I had my family invest in it, so oh, it was even, even more, more close to home, right? Yeah. I didn't want these guys to lose. I didn't want anybody to lose. But uh, so I here I am making a decision. Okay, what's going to happen? What's the worst that's going to happen? Is this guy going to take me to court? Mm, well, I was going to take him to court, right? That's right. I was going to spend the money on lawyer fees, so let him spend the money on lawyer that's fees. That's right. Is the city going to give me a violation? Yeah, if that if I get caught, yeah, absolutely, they're going to give me a violation. But how much can that be? They're going to tell me to go get a demo permit. Okay, mm. well, I'm, the demo permit was in the process anyway. I submitted my paperwork. I'm yeah. just it's waiting for the 30-year. Yeah. yeah. So I, I took the chance, and I did it. I just demolished and the you house. you knew the guy was not inside, right? Oh, of course. <laughs> no, I know you oh, knew. Are kidding me? Yeah. I know you knew, but that's good. So it's like, get out <laughs> yeah, of here. I, I waited, come tomorrow. I waited until I he it. left, and we demolished the whole house. And, uh, you know, there's challenges that's going to come up. Yeah. With uh, every project. Some of it is construction related. Some of it is permitting related. Some of it is design related. Mm. And then you'll have some off the wall challenges like, oh my God, I have a squatter. How do I deal mm. with this? And again, having the right team behind you and understanding how how the process works and how it doesn't work, mm. right? Then it'll help you navigate through it efficiently mm. and pro properly. Wow, what a great story. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, yeah, you should have seen the look on this guy's I face know. when I saw him at noon. <laughs> it, he was not happy. But it was more like uh, I was like, you know, you wow. get what you you get what you get. That's incredible. I I just think that's such a funny story, but you know, the you know, here's what I get out of that out of this share is uh, you know that that life will always throw obstacles at you. And you have to weigh the pros and cons, right? You have the pros and cons with this guy keeping the house for now. And then you have the pros and cons by demolishing the house. And and I love that because you were not emotional about it. You were reverse engineered in a very logical way. Right. Even though it was your parents, your family's money, even though you wanted to be angry about it, you know, and, and that is the mentality as investors. It's not about the emotion. It's about it's about numbers and also it's about service and, and having a good time. Yeah, it's right? about managing risk, really, right? Managing risk. That's what it's about, managing risk, making sure that you understand the consequences of your action and whether the situation you're in now is better or worse than the situation you can be after you make your decision. You know, and, and, you know I want to talk about this for a second because I think it's so important, which is it, it, it's the doing, right? It's managing risk, the doing, but also like it's who you are when you're doing it, right? If, you're, if you become a multimillionaire and you're very unhappy, is, was the journey really worth it? Right. Versus like, who are you being when you're doing it? For sure. And I think just so important. I always say that, that you know, if, if, if meeting someone, if you're on time to a meeting, but it took you to rush and cut people off in the, in the freeway or in the streets, and then you made it on time, you're still late. Because, and I, I think this is important to say because even though I know I'm going out of the tangent a little bit, but it's while we're doing the process as investors, guys, it's all about having fun, right? Like Phil could have been really mad and got into a fight or screaming, or, or but you were logical about it. Yeah, and you know, fun for sure. Uh, you know, I made it a point that I hire people that I like to work with. That, thank you. They may be a little bit more expensive, but it really does pay off with a peace of mind, number one. Number two, the customer service that I get from these guys, like I, I know all my guys by first mm. name. Like I, I know who's married and who has mm. kids and you know whose kids is not feeling well. And so I know all of them. I know all of these guys. And we're, we're a large group of people. 
Um, but having that peace of mind to be able to do a project and and know that your team's got your back mm. is critical. You know, there was a period of time that I literally had 20 projects in construction. Mm. And I would have gone insane if I didn't trust my people. Mm. I would have gone insane. You can't do it. Like, yeah, absolutely How not. do you duplicate yourself and not becoming to the trap of being a technician on each project, right. like doing all of it. Right, right. Let's talk a little bit about that. How, if, you know, uh, uh, tell us more about being a, being a manager, being entrepreneurial, being, you know, versus doing all the work. Um, what is your, what is your, you know, how, you as an investor, right? You have so many projects. How do you do to replace yourself and, and find and put someone that you trust and then, overseeing that person. Yeah, being organized is key, right? Having a process in place mm. is key. And I'm like I said, I'm very much process driven. So for me who had, you know, all of these projects and I have 22 projects now wow. that not all in active construction, some in design, some in permitting and so on and so yeah. forth, but some in construction. 22. Wow. Yeah, and some of them are large projects, right? I have a 45 million dollar house in the, up in the hills or wow. the 17 million dollar house that I'm talking about and the 10 million, I mean there's a lot of money out there. So how do you organize yourself? Um, so I I, uh, I found some apps online that um, that help you do that. Wow, would right? you mind? Yeah, there's a there's an app called Asana. Asana. And Asana, it's, Asana. A, it's a task-based app. You can assign. You can assign tasks to people. Do you literally use it with your with your crew? You, you... I use it with my project management team. Nice. So I have uh, I hired one of my buddies from uh, from college, David, who who came here from New Jersey, and uh, again he's he's also a smart guy, a licensed architect. He's been a builder. Which you trust? I trust. Very and, important. I mean, not only trust uh, with the business aspect of it, but I trust him to make decisions. The right decisions. Right. Uh, it's important. Then I have Isaac, and you know, there's other people in my team. So if I can't go, like I'm here now. I'm sure there's a thousand things going on. I mean, I got my gas going on for, from one house and I have my pool inspection in another one. Mm. Uh, so I'm able to say, okay, Isaac, you got this inspection mm. or you got this task that you have to do from eight. So you, you assign know. tasks. I assign tasks Asana. to people. But in order to assign the tasks, you have to know what the tasks are. So what I wind up doing with my app was to um, identify every single item that is related to building a single family home. Wow. Everything. How many items? I don't know. I didn't really count it. Over 150? Oh, for sure. Wow. For sure. You have tasks that have subtasks. Like, t take it from the beginning. You have a, uh, asbestos, right? Before demolition, right? What do you need to do? You need to get, besides your you know, the demolition pre-inspection and so on and so forth, you need to do asbestos testing. Mm. You need to do asbestos abatement. Mm. You need to uh, abandon your utilities, your gas utility, and, and also your, um, your power. Uh, you need to cut out the the uh, water and put your temporary power, temporary water. You got to put your temporary power. So all of these things, uh, unless you're like organized, you'll forget. Or you come to an end of the project and you're like, oh my God, I forgot to upgrade my meter. And mm. here you go, I have to take, I have to wait three months for that to happen. Yeah. Right. And I learned this early on. Um, now I talked to you about my first flip. Uh, I'll talk to you about my first construction, new construction project. Mm. It's a completely different world. Uh, now you don't worry about what you don't see inside the walls. Now you worry about the process. Now you worry about management. Did I order my tile in time? Did I order my lumber? Did I order? I, I was doing trusses, right? And truss is the best way to do. If you really understand construction and know how to how to work the process, mm -hmm. ordering trusses could save you money and save mm -hmm. you plenty of time. 
um, and it'll make it easier on the subs to do their work. So uh, I went that route and uh, again, hiring good people that give you advice. So I have my fire sprinkler guy coming in and he's like, did you remember to upgrade your water meter? I'm like, what are you talking about? What do I have to do? I, mean, I didn't know. So he guided me. He, he taught me. He's like, okay, you need to call this phone number and make sure that not only your water meter is a one-inch line, but your lateral is one inch. So great. I added that to my process. Wow. I need to do that early on. Uh, or uh, getting your meter spot. Sometimes the electricians do it, or sometimes the owner has to do it. Again, he told me, well, you know, this is what you expect. This is what you have to do. This is how far in advance you got to do. Filling out your application for a new gas service. Uh, do it out early on. Make sure you follow with the planner. Those kinds of things, unless you someone's guided you, someone's mentored you, someone's told you what to do as a checklist kind of a thing, you are to, towards the end of the project. Now you have to wait three months. Mm. And that's the last thing you want to do is wait. You and want to put it in the market and you, you hurry know. up and wait. Yeah. Right? Like when you order your windows, it's critical. Some window companies could take eight weeks. If you go with uh, some of the you know really high-end windows, you can be eight months waiting for mm. a window. If you don't order it in time, you're going to have to close down your job site because you wow. can't move forward. Windows, cabinets, what are the things? Windows, cabinets, um, uh, all the utilities. All the utilities. It's important. Um, tile, your you know finished carpentry stuff, your light fixtures, your mirrors, mm, all uh, the finishes, huh? all anything. I mean, some of the things you order, you order your glass, door. glass, uh, glass can take you know weeks. Anything, anything really, all aspects of your finishes. You have to understand how long things take, mm. so then you can reverse engineer it, if you will. Mm. Okay, I, I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna be finished with my framing in four weeks. When do I need to have my windows? And your Asana will give you a little reminder. Or yes, you, once yeah? you assign the task, yeah. unless the other person said it's complete, it's gonna it sends you and uh, that other person a reminder saying this task is not complete. What's and you have to on? educate your team to have that app yeah, to I've, open. I've it. done training sessions for oh, them you do? too. Yeah, I've done training sessions of, you know, we can we talk to each other. I I, I get my like you have my window schedule right. Who needs a window schedule? Well, my framer needs a window schedule. So as soon as I order my windows, and I typically order my windows sometimes even before I have my permit because wow. I know how long things take, my window supplier uploads the window schedule onto Asana. You already taught them to do yeah. that. So then my framer goes in. He doesn't have to call me and say, hey, how do I frame this window? What's the actual rough opening wow. of the side? He the just goes in cloud and gets it. Boom. Incredible. You make it more efficient. Wow. That way. That's the only way, but wow. What what incredible system. What other um, apps you, you mentioned, Asana? Is there anything else that you might? You know, this it, is the, the, the one. This right? is the one that I'm this using. The okay. um, there's other, obviously, links that there's you There's millions need of them, but this is the one that we should all yeah. pay attention to. Familiar yourself with uh, Zimas, familiar yourself with the uh, building and safety app, depending on what city you're building. That's right. right. Uh, LA has their own apps to call for inspections and kind of do some research. Um, there's, do you do like maybe like Google Earth before you go into a property to see the neighborhood? There's or? no substitute for walking on of the site. Of course not. Of course no not. No substitute. Of course not. Uh, I mean, I, I've even, I even bought a drone so I can understand what my views are going to be in the second story. Wow. So being educated in really the condition of the site, which way is north, which way is south, how, am I, how is the sun moving? Sun setting, Where yeah. should I put my pool? Is it 
You know, That's right. Am I going to put my driveway on a right? If I put it on a right, is a tree going to be in my way? Because mm. you know, cutting public uh, trees on a public right away is going to be really difficult. Do and you usually, when, at all possible, when you're building, do you usually have? Um, I've seen some of your houses. I study some of your houses, which I love, and I, I and I've noticed a lot of the times you, the way you put each room, you know, like you have the kitchen overseeing the pool, right? Is that is that accurate? Yeah, you know, for, as an architect, look, I, I'm an architect first. First and foremost, I'm an architect, mm. and I would say I'm a builder second. Mm. And for me, the experience of walking through the house, feeling the feelings that you feel, right, as a buyer, as a homeowner, as even an investor, mm. is important. So I think about how I would like to live, mm. and I would think about you know someone who is depending on a project. Obviously, if I'm building a house with my my uh, end end user is going to be a family. Okay, what are the kids going to do their homework? You know, how are they going to go through the house? Mm. What are you going to experience? Is the ceiling height okay? How do you walk through? Should the door open this way? Should the door open that way? Uh, light switches. Am I putting the light switches in the right place? Those kinds of things it really just kind of comes to me because I was educated that way. But thinking about all those things is important. Uh, you know, when you're in framing, for example, all right, you need to understand how your lights are going to go in so that your joist isn't gonna set your center line off. Explain a little bit to our really quick, what is a joist to our students? So, so you have studs that are vertical support members, uh, and then you have beams that are horizontal support members holding the structure above, and joists are also horizontal holding the floor system. Uh, they're essentially part of the floor system is what it is. And if you're laying all these floor joists out, uh, you got to think about your lighting. You have to think about your air conditioning. You think about your fire sprinkler. So it's where the air is going. Yeah. And some of your architects, if they're really, you know, um, sophisticated, sophisticated, they they take those into account. They give you a reflected ceiling plan, and so you can see, okay, Mr. Framer, don't put your joist right here because if you put it right here, then I can't put my light where I want to put it. So they put it off center or they'll add another joist. So it, it, those are things that you kind of work through construction. For me, because I'm, I'm more of a design builder, I'll call myself, uh, I lay those things out during construction. So mm -hmm. when I'm standing with my framer on the job site, you know, all my walls are up and he wants to r run all of his uh, joists across or his beams across. I mean, beams you can't really help because they're holding you know, a wall above. But when he's running his joists, I'm like, okay, do me a favor, offset this here so that I can put my light in that bay. Those things you you know you get more sophisticated as you're doing as you more projects. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really like it's really an experience. I, I when you walk into one of your houses, you really I don't know why I I, I thought of Disney. Maybe it's because every every little corner has been pre-designed and you can f have an emotion. But it's it's you know uh, it, it's you you, you ex it's an experience like you're seeing. It, it, it's it's flashed the floors. You know you. Going into one of your bathrooms is an experience. How everything, you know, your, the finishes, how everything's been picked. Um, yeah, it's it's. It, uh, I can see that that you put a lot of thinking behind it because you can't just do it in the in the finishes. Right, and if you're not doing the thinking yourself, because uh, your experience, just have the right team. Have just the have right the right architect. team. Interior designer. I mean, I've I've had. Uh, you know, people hire interior designers. To, it's just great. Know what you know and know what you don't know. You know, my, my, what I'm getting today out of the entire, um, you know, podcast with you, uh, one of the things I'm getting is to, I'll, to move from category, you know, I don't know that I don't know, and it's okay to not know. Absolutely. Just hire someone right. that can help you move that from don't know that you don't know 
do I know that I don't know? Right. Right. right? So he can coach you. He exactly. can, uh, you know, a construction manager, a contractor. And then the next step would be going from I know that I don't know to I know that I know. Right. And that's, that comes eventually, from experience. Eventually, that you're, uh, you, you go from I don't know that I don't know to I know that I don't know to I know that I know. Exactly. Right? It's just the well process that kind of goes through. Um, the more the more you involved in construction, which is the reason why I really I go to my every job site every day. Mm. Uh, you learn. You learn new things every day. Well, we're running. Uh, you know, I have a million more questions, and I would probably spend another you know, hours with you. Um, but, you know, we will, we'll, uh, we'll end up, you know, closing, uh, unfortunately, because <laughs> I want to continue. Um, you know, there's a million questions that, that are hanging and that's okay. Um, I, I you know, I want to ask you, I wanted to ask you about, you know, I, I've been really noticing, um, um, our investors and their context for things. And I wanted to ask you, um, um, what is your, we're going to go in a more macro, not that much micro in the business, but in a macro level. Um, and we can wrap it up with this. What is your relationship with money? It's more like a, like a, you know, like a macro question, right? Um, and, and what does money mean to you? And I'm not talking about just the paper, but um, what is your relationship with money? Because every investor has a different relationship. Yeah. Look, to me, money buys comfort. Mm. Right, it doesn't buy happiness per se, but it buys comfort. Um, I, I try not to get emotional with any of my projects. It's strictly an investment. My emotional aspect of it is it comes from the design side to create a good product. To you know, I, I put I put a brass plaque on every one of my houses wow. to say you know the I signature. built this house right. I put it right in the driveway. Everybody could see it. Every time you drive by it or walk by it, you'll see it. Because I stand by the product, mm. right? Uh, the money part of it is obviously everybody wants to make money. You don't want to lose money, but I don't. I don't want to sacrifice quality for money. Mm. And I've my goal has always been build a great product and it'll sell. And it's been right all this time. And I my my houses uh, have sold quickly. My and I've made I made my investors happy, which is great. Because if they're happy, they'll invest more. Um, but what is the the biggest order? What is the biggest profit you ever done? I've had an investor make sixty percent on their money. Would you mind numbers? Like, did you, did he make like a million dollars? Well, he made a few hundred thousand dollars. Few hundred thousand dollars. Few hundred thousand. Yeah, few hundred thousand. Wow. Yeah. Sixty percent. Which is insane. It's, <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. But I try to get my investors at least 30% return wow. annualized. Wow. Uh, and part of that has to do with how fast you build, mm. right? If you're building, if, you, if the guy is making money, say half a million dollars in two years versus half a million dollars in one year, it obviously it's a gross difference. Double, right? right? So, yeah. So, speed and quality is important. Mm. Getting it right or getting it on time? I would say yes, both. Both. Yeah. All right. Well, Phil, I, I as I said, I have a million questions more, but you know, um, 
we are really grateful on behalf of me and the entire you know real success team and all the students thank you for coming here it's really been a pleasure um you speak from your heart uh you have a vision and also you're a businessman so thank you, thank you for having me absolutely all right guys that's all for today uh thank you so much for everyone for listening to real success pod success podcast thank you